Welcome to Cheaper Than Therapy, a podcast that journeys into conversations that demystify, destigmatize, and desensitize what goes on both inside the therapy room and in daily life. I'm Vanessa Bennett. And I'm Danae Logan. And we are seekers, soul sisters, and holders of sacred space. Every week, we sit down for soul-provoking conversations with fellow seekers, thought leaders, change makers, and even real people during live coaching sessions as they navigate the hard work it takes to be a human. This is Cheaper Than Therapy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. Today, we are talking to Pam. And Pam wrote in wanting to talk about it's funny because you, I, at the very end of what you wrote in, you said, um, I'm feeling like these are all related. They feel related. Are they related? Which I just, I loved because the answer I would always say is yes. Um, but it feels like they might not be, but there for sure are. So I loved your first sentence, impatience, insecurity, impulsivity, and self-sabotage, right? And it sounds a little bit like there's some anxiety going on in a new-ish relationship uh, around if they don't reach out, you want them to, and it makes you maybe a little anxious when they don't. And like, how do I get vulnerable? But there's this fear of them leaving, right? And so I think what I'm gathering is a lot of anxiety in this relationship that's coming up, but I'd love to kind of hear more from you about what, what's going on. Um, all of my um, anxieties that I had with dating before started popping back up, which if I'm single on purpose, they're not going to pop up for me to deal <laughs> with. So I need to deal with them. Um, but he, he's very similar to me. So like, I feel like I should be bothered by the lack of communication in text, but I don't know why. And it like, it just kind of like, I know the right things to say. I know the right, like the correct behaviors, but my emotional brain, I guess, just goes haywire and is like, no, that's not right. That's not right. You need to be reaching out. You need to be in touch all the time. You need to have like you need to make you a priority and I know that's not realistic so like my brain just spirals and spirals and overwhelming to say the least Danae look like you look like you have to say something I'm like waiting <laughs> <laughs> so that's like five questions I want to ask so tell me a little bit about without going too deep right for sake of time but tell me a little bit about your experience dating in the past. So this feels, you kind of said that this feels like a historical pattern of yours to kind of go into the anxious spiral of like wanting them to kind of reach out, be more present, communicate more. Does that feel consistent? Um, yeah. So I was in a relationship for six years and then he, he was, he ended up cheating on me. So that caused a lot of damage there. Um, especially the way I found out. And then I was, okay with being single which is different than being single on purpose I've learned um so I was okay with being single and I was kind of dating and then I got on the dating apps and I kind of fell into that dating app pattern of like in love until not in love anymore instead of like learning to get to know the person in like that that path and that process like I was just super urgent to like meet my person and be like no right away like is this going to work or it's not going to work? And like, you need to do all the things now or not. And so there's just a lot of like instant gratification. And I think that kind of like built into my psyche. So now like, I kind of feel like I expect that instant gratification or that consistent contact, even though like 
when I think about it logically, I'm like, well, I don't really have anything to fucking say to this person like 30 times a day. Like, why do I feel like they need to talk to me like 30 times a day? Um, <laughs> so again, I know, like, I know in theory, like, what's appropriate and what to say, and I don't act on those impulses anymore. So I guess that's growth there. Um, but just like, it really brings me down, like, mm-hmm. to where I don't do things that I should do. Like I, I'm kind of losing myself again, I guess is really the, the, the basis of it all. I feel like I'm losing myself and I'm trying and getting back into a people pleasing and to answer your question. Um, I guess, yeah, I'm kind of a people pleaser and in all of my relationships, um, I've only had four like serious relationships. I supported them and I did whatever they needed to do to feel better and feel supported and whatever they wanted. And I always ignored what I wanted so yeah there's that yeah i mean pam already there's so many of the ways that you are questioning and in the inquiry that are just like making my heart burst i just love it so much you're asking so many amazing questions already um and i think you're absolutely right that we can be single on purpose forever and just chilling and it's completely copacetic and easy and um and that is the purpose of relationships a lot of times to bring some of this discomfort to the surface. I think relationships can be, as John, um, Vanessa's partner often says, some of the richest soil for our own growth. Um, and, you know, one of the things you said that sort of perked my ears forward, as I love to say, is you said, I'm constantly in the space of the anxious questioning of, is this going to work? Is this not going to work? Which I find is often the case in our relationships. Um, you are doing the work of learning to stay with yourself in those moments. And how do I have a different conversation with myself? Meaning none of us know if any relationship is ever going to quote work, what does that even mean? Right. People can be with people for years and all of a sudden someone can change their mind or something can happen. And, you know, someone can fall in love with someone else. Like all of these things are or always somebody the- could die, by the way, mm-hmm. like that, the real unknown. Like things, right. Mm-hmm. Um, illusion of certainty that we've been sold as a society isn't real. Um, I love to use steal an Abraham Hicks quote, which is, we'd say, I like you pretty good. Let's see how it goes. Like as another way of sort of reframing what we're doing here in the long term, because ultimately it's an illusion that any other person ever belongs to us. Even if it's an amazing attachment and we love each other so deeply, like Vanessa said, we're not given certainty with anybody, no matter what that person could die. And so how do I stay with myself in the inquiry of what does this feel like right now? What feels Mm -hmm. true about our connection right now versus the story of what I need to know in the future versus me sort of recollecting like how I've been hurt in the past. Um, How is the actual connection between us feeling right now? And if I don't know, because maybe they're not here, how am I feeling within myself and my connection to me right now? Yeah. And how does that feel? What does that bring up? I guess. Uh, Yeah, no, I I like that a lot. Like it's a bit of a a light bulb. Instead of like my normal thinking of like, okay, is this someone I can spend the rest of my life with who I barely know? Like, how would I know that? To, uh, yeah, like, how does it feel right now? Like, right now it feels good. Right now it feels good to go on another date. It feels good to do this next thing. So I think just removing that like future, like 20, 30 years down the road. The pressure. Um, it's a little 
Yeah. The background too is like, I feel like I've put a lot of pressure on myself because in my family, they like, I have multiple aunts and uncles and grand grandparents that have been together since they were like 16. And my sister has been with her husband since they were 16 and they're in their thirties now. So like, I just feel like I've always wanted that so badly. And so I just put a lot of pressure on myself to like find that in every person that I meet. But, you know, I want to speak to that a little bit because, um, as a society, as a culture, we've put so much emphasis and weight on length and not as much emphasis on weight on connection and depth and health of relationship. Um, you know, actual what? Fulfillment within that fulfillment, right? In relationship, you know, I I say this often, and I I mean, I kind of say it a little flippant, but it's like, if you're telling me you guys have been married for 50 years, congrats. But I'm also curious, like, do you sleep in the same room? Do you still have passion? Are you still like, are you lighting each other up? Do you still feel like you know who you are in this relationship? Because if you can't answer yes to those questions, and like, I kind of don't give a shit that you've been married for 50 years. I'm not. I'm not looking to congratulate you on that. That to me doesn't feel like something worthy of congratulations, but that's a very different approach and way of looking at relationships. Generationally, I do think we're changing that a little bit, right? Like who cares if you sleep in the same, if you don't have, if you haven't slept in the same bed in 20 years, I don't care that you've been married for 30, you know? Um, and so I also would say, going back to what Danae was saying about finding yourself in this, Yes. Okay. You've seen that. That's what you've been looking towards because it's kind of been the, the pattern of the norm in your family. But what about that feels true for you? Right? Like, is there anything in you that can look at that? And I'm not saying judge your family. I'm sure some of them do have lovely relationships. I'm also not saying that they all have shitty relationships, but you know, you might want to step back and look at them and say, okay, I see the number. But like, what about their relationship actually doesn't feel true for me and what I want my connected in, you know, intimate relationship to be and look like. And if you start to look at it in, in more of that space, you might actually realize that, um, you know, you're holding this person up to a standard that doesn't actually feel true to you. You know, John uses that term blueprint. It's like we're tracing old blueprints that aren't even ours. Yeah. Yeah. And I just kind of want to add to what Vanessa said. I think not only do we live in a society that sort of uses longevity as the marker of success within relationships, we're also really conditioned to believe that the ending of a relationship somehow equates to failure. Um, I'm someone who was married for 11 and a half years, and I don't even a little bit consider that relationship ending or that relationship in its entirety to be a failure in my life. I think it was one of the greatest success stories of my journey. I think when we hold, this person has come into my life to um, teach me whatever lessons I am meant to learn through our relationship during this time, but the people come into our life for a reason, a season, sometimes a lifetime, but not always. And if I sort of say like, what is this person in my life to teach me right now versus am I going to have a lifetime with this person? And that's the marker of whether or not this relationship is a success. I just think it feels so different to our psyche, you know? Yes, I love that. The the blueprint for sure. Like I've just put a lot of pressure on because because of that. So I think I just need to be present, like learn how to be present and be okay with what's happening like now and in front of me, which is definitely something I struggle with in career, friendships and relationships. So mm -hmm. 
just um, getting the spinning to stop will, will be hugely helpful. <laughs> well, let me offer you maybe a tangible tool that you could play around with in, in kind of starting this exploration or starting this part of your journey, right? So anxiety is usually we're in the future and we're living in fear, right? Whereas we know depression is kind of the opposite. Depression is usually like we're living in the past. And so my offering to you as kind of a tangible practice might be when you feel yourself in that anxiety spin, right? When you start to feel yourself kind of getting wound up and starting to be like, um, I just, I need this person to text me and like, you know, <laughs> that feeling, you know, that like, oh God, I'm leaving my body kind of feeling. If you have the wherewithal, maybe not in the moment, maybe it takes a little bit of time to say, what am I afraid of right now? Mm-hmm. What's the story I'm telling myself right now? And just start to talk to yourself. Like, what is that fear? What am I afraid of? Right. And really get familiar. This is a presence practice. I mean, this is really like, woo, I am feeling some sort of way. Let me pause, turn the gaze inward and start to question, turn it over in my hand in a gentle way. We're not bashing ourselves for having the feeling. We're more just getting very curious about what that feeling is and what the thoughts that are attached to the feeling might be so that we can come into a, a space of going, but is that really what's happening? Right. If I might say like, I'm just worried that if they're not texting me 30 times that they're not interested, right. I'm making this up. Then I might, if I actually say that out loud, I might say, or that maybe that is the thing I might say, is that really true? Is that, is that really, you know, what the fear is? No. Oh, what is that fear actually about? Oh, this fear is about, I'm going to be alone forever. Mm -hmm. Right. Like there's a way to start getting deeper when we start doing those inquiries. Um, And what happens is eventually over time, when you get more and more practiced at doing that pause and being like, ooh, I'm feeling something, what's going on for me, it becomes easier to access, it becomes quicker to access, and that spiral that we get into over practice, this isn't an immediate thing, it becomes, um, we're able to get off that Ferris wheel a little bit quicker. We're able to self-soothe in those moments a little bit quicker, right? Okay, so if I'm logically able to say that's not true, if I'm logically able to see that that's just my anxiety brain stepping in, trying to protect me, acting out of fear, what can I then do in this moment to maybe soothe my nervous system a little? Maybe I need to get outside. Maybe I need to go for a walk. Maybe I need to get in my body. You know, maybe I need to do some movement. Like, and that those are toolbox things that you kind of learn and that you know about yourself. Um, but it becomes like a step one, step two. Step one, what's going on? Internal inquiry. Step two, okay, how do I soothe the nervous system to kind of try to get that thinking brain back online? Yeah, and in doing the tangible work that Vanessa's talking about, what you're teaching yourself is I've got me, I can depend on me. And it's sort of you know, it's like a retraining of the brain, actually. Mm -hmm. So when I start to go into that fight or flight response, and it is actually like, um, the fear of like, you know, because we're not sort of playing the tape through on like, it's just the catastrophe, it's just the he, he's not interested in me, and I'll be alone forever, like Vanessa said. Um, Whereas if we keep playing the tape through and keep like staying with ourselves as we're processing the thoughts, um, I love to like, keep the tape going. And if that were true, what would I do? Right? Um, in the past, when a relationship has ended, what have I done then? You just gave us like the most beautiful example of the way that you taught yourself 
through a long period of time to be single on purpose, to take care of yourself well. So I know how to do that. I have to remind myself I've been here before. I'll be okay again. Right. And you can do those in those moments, but do that in those moments. But as you reach into the toolkit Vanessa's talking about and utilize some of those tools for yourself, what you are teaching yourself is I actually know how to be in the sacred space of my own solitude, even when I'm in relationship with another person. And if I can't do that, I'm not actually in relationship with this person, right? Even when I'm with him or even when I'm away from him, I'm sort of in that space of, I need him to be that balm that soothes me when I feel activated, right? That's not about him. You're not actually seeing him, right? But if I'm good and my nervous system is regulated, then I can be present with him and I can I can actually tune into who he is, what's happening for him, right? Because I don't need him to take care of me. I don't need him to be the thing that's bringing me back to, oh, Right. I'm, I'm good. I'm here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, that makes sense. And the, the toolbox things for sure will be hugely helpful. Good. Okay. Yeah. Well, so Pam, do us a favor. Keep us, keep us a post, keep us abreast, keep us, you know, keep us posted all the things. Um, let us know how you're doing, you know, put some of the stuff into practice, do some more thinking, some more kind of reflecting, maybe some more journaling around this topic and just let us know, you know, let us know how you're doing. Let us know how, how it's going. Once you start to kind of practice again, practice, right? We know this isn't a light switch. It doesn't just like happen once. This is a lifetime of work. So as you start to build this muscle of Okay, turning it inwards, self-soothing, I've got me, you know, proving it to yourself, proving it to your nervous system. I, I would just be curious to know kind of how you're how you're doing on the other side. Yeah. And the only thing I, I really want to name, Pam, is you are already, I can hear so much from the way that you're already speaking. You're in the process. This is actually really right. exciting to me that you found this relationship because it's like Vanessa often says, like, we do the work by ourselves and then we get in a relationship and we sort of take that work on the road like a band, right? And so now you're in the space where you get to put into practice all of the things that you did while you were single on purpose mm -hmm. in a relationship with another person, because I kind of think we should be single on purpose forever, even when we're in partnership. We should still be in really sacred relationship with ourselves. And then we're able to show up for that relationship um, just as the version of ourselves that we really want to be, you know? Awesome. Yes, I, I very much appreciate it. And my love hate with social media, similar to Vanessa, I found lots of resources to kind of help me be here today uh, at the mm -hmm. risk of sounding dramatic, but it's, invaluable stuff and I appreciate yeah. it and I love yeah. you guys <laughs> we appreciate you Pam thank you for coming on and I think this is going to help a lot of people so I appreciate you starting sharing your story I hope so okay be well thank you guys so much Pam 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 uh I hear so much of so many of my clients in her uh I mean in myself you know in my, my yeah. own way she's like so on the precipice I love from mm -hmm. the jump how she already identifying so many other things that I felt like we would say to her. And I'm like, oh, she, she's just ready to like really start to integrate what this work is while you're in relationship with another person, you know? Yeah. I feel like if more of us could get to a place where we're constantly reframing and seeing the relationships in front of us as that soil, as that jumping off point, as that mirror, um, does it feel like it in the moment when your anxiety is spinning and you feel like you can't breathe and you want to die? No. But if I can continue to come back to, holy shit, what is this here to teach me? Um, 
And look, I do the same thing with my kid, right? Like when I'm in that like overwhelmed space, I mean, am I doing it in that second? No, probably not. But every time I'm able to bring that reframe back around, blow off the dust and be like, okay, let's put this reframe back on it. It's so powerful because this is how we learn. We learn in relationship to other people, you know, and you, you mentioned this when we were talking to her, but so often I'll say like, if you look at the inner work that we do when we're alone as writing, you know, as a band writing an album and recording it in the studio, but you have to look at when they go out on tour and they get all that feedback, that's how they learn if they, if their, you know, their album is good or not. You got to go on tour, got to go on tour. And that's what relationships are. They are just such rich soil for that. Yeah. Absolutely. I think, again, as I said to her, I think it's such an exciting time because she's really under, like, she has the awareness. She's not sort of like in the autopilot space. You can Mm -hmm. hear her even in the moments having the recognition of, oh, this is anxiety coming to the surface because now I'm in relationship again. And all of the things that I haven't had to feel while I was single are coming to the surface. And I don't care who you are, how much work you've done. I always say, you know, like relationships bring back all that stuff. And just all of a sudden you're like, what is happening to me? I feel like I'm losing myself again. And, and beautiful, right? Because that becomes the work. Like, how do I stay with this? How do I stay with myself through this as it comes up? Yeah. And also just remembering that, like the idea of it being a journey, the idea of it being a process, like you, you do have to continue to remind yourself that this is a muscle that you're continuing to strengthen, right? Like I would never go to the gym once and expect to leave with rock hard abs. I mean, that would be great, but ain't going to happen. You know, um, that's how this stuff works too. We keep coming back to it. We keep coming back to it. We keep, you know, and, and look, I get it. Sometimes that feels exhausting. It feels daunting. Um, I just want it to be better now. Well, not in this human body, not in this human experience. That's just not what we get. That's not what we're served up as human animals, you know? And the, the more I, I try to fight against that and I want myself to be fixed and not anxious and not this and not experiencing this, well, then you can be a robot, but that's just not realistic. Um, and we kind of have to laugh at ourselves sometimes. I have found sometimes that bringing humor into that where I almost like when I'm aware of those thoughts and I can find the silliness in it and I can be like, really, Vanessa, you just expect to like never feel anxious, you know, and I can kind of poke fun at it a little bit. It it reminds me of my humanness. It almost grounds me in my humanness a little bit more. And I think it's hard to find humor when we're suffering. But if we can find just an edge, just a drop of humor in that that suffering, that normal humanness that we go through, it really does help. And just the illusion that we would even want it to be that way anyway. Right. I Wouldn't find that be so boring? Can you imagine how boring our life would be if everything was just like, no, I just know exactly what's going to happen and when he's going to text me and how it's going to look like. You would be over him in 10 seconds, bam. Like, that's not really what you want. And mm-hmm. how do I say, like, this is exciting. Like, I love the idea of, like, reframing anxiety as excitement, right? Like, I'm I'm sort of, like, embarking on something new and the unknown. And, like, yes, it, there's a lot of feelings coming to the surface. And that's not all anxiety, but certainly, like, the newness of something that I'm learning to do. We can hold that way if we, if we practice it, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like so many of you just listened to this episode and are probably all shaking your heads and can nod along with us because we've all been there. So, we do. Yeah. 
Thanks for hanging out with us here on Cheaper Than Therapy. We really appreciate you sharing your time with us. We mean it. We're so excited to announce that we're bringing back our now annual intensive retreat to kick off the new year. We call it From Self-Abandonment to Inner Belonging. It's going to be the first week in January, January 1st through the 6th in Carefree, Arizona at the most incredible location, Savannah Wellness Resort and Spa. Yeah. So during this week-long immersive experience, we're going to be supporting you in doing the work that we are most passionate about doing with our clients, but also with ourselves. This work is all about pattern interruption, taking a hard look at the ways that we've been living that aren't necessarily in alignment with our full potential. Some of the ways we've been societally conditioned to abandon ourselves as a way to maintain our relationships, no matter how unfulfilling. So tangibly, what that looks like is working to understand our codependent patterns, doing a deep dive into shadow work, what that is and how we can start to understand our own shadow, using the tools from our background in depth psychology to support you in living a life that feels like it's filled with meaning and moving into a more interdependent way of operating in all of our relationships. So if all of this sounds like work that you're feeling called to do in your own life, we would obviously absolutely love for you to join us in January. Yeah. Head to the link in each of our Instagram bios, or you can go to Vanessa's website under retreats for some more information. And we just can't wait to kick off another New Year's together in Carefree. 